Welcome to Tell Me Where to Go, the Super 7 series of interviews with prominent figures who are involved in travel around the world. Sit back and listen as we take you travelling again. Welcome to another edition of our Super 7 series and today I'm speaking to Campbell Wilson who is the CEO of Scoot. Campbell, welcome to Tell Me Where to Go Dot com. Steve, lovely to be with you. Now, Campbell, I know that you are based in Singapore, but you are a New Zealander. So can I ask, first of up, because we're going to be talking about where we can't travel at the moment and where we'd like to travel to, whereabouts in New Zealand are you from? I grew up in Christchurch and then went to Auckland to join Singapore Airlines 25 years ago. I'm still with them, but I'm no longer in Auckland. That's quite a journey, actually, when you consider it, isn't it? Because there's one thing about New Zealanders, it doesn't matter wherever you go in the world, there'll always be a Kiwi there, won't they? You just love to travel, don't you? Well, there's about a million of us who live overseas, but yeah, uh, I think from a propensity to, of travel perspective, we're up there with the, the Singaporeans and a couple of others that love to get out of the country and travel overseas. Well, I can understand, especially Singaporeans, because it is quite a small country. Of course, you're surrounded. You've got borders with Indonesia and uh, Malaysia, but you also have one of the world's best airports there. Changi is always up there near the top, isn't there, in the, in the best airport awards. I suppose a great airport for Scoot to be based at as well. It really is. I mean, obviously Singapore has a high GDP and, and as I've said, yeah. high propensity to travel. Also connected to all parts of the world, 230-odd destinations had non-stop flights to Singapore prior to the mm. pandemic. So it's a good place for us to be involved because there's a lot of travel from Singaporeans out and also a significant proportion of people travelling from overseas in. You know, attractions like uh, Marina Bay Sands, like Resorts yeah. World and all of the various other things, whether it would be food or culture that Singapore offers, attracts a lot of people. And of course, it's a huge transshipment point that people from all over the world, obviously New Zealand and Australia principally, yes. use Singapore as a place to transit through to get to elsewhere. Well, I'm based in Perth and Singapore is very, very important for us, uh, particularly to transit through because from Perth, we did have a lot of direct flights, but there are many, many other places that we couldn't get to directly. And of course, you just go up to Singapore and from going to Singapore is a short haul flight, which is not true for most people in the world. I always like to have a stopover when I transit through Singapore because there is always something new to see there. And of course, it is one of the great food destinations in the world. Absolutely. And of course, Perth was an important part of the Singapore Airlines story too. Perth was actually the, the first overseas city that, that Singapore Airlines flew to. I think it did a Singapore-Jakarta-Perth-Sydney flight some 53-odd years ago. Yes. And it was also one of the, the earliest destinations for Scoot when we started. So, yeah, Perth holds a very fond place in our heart. Well, I remember meeting you when Scoot made the inaugural flight to Perth. Then I had the great joy of flying on your 787. I just love the Boeing 787. Wow, did that revolutionise flying. Such a comfortable plane to fly in, quiet, lots of room in there. When you sit inside the 787, there's so much room in there. You don't feel like you're crammed in at all. It's a wonderful aircraft. Yeah, and we've taken care to configure it. Obviously, we're a low-cost airline, so the airfare is cheap, but we've taken care to configure it in a way that is is quite humane. Um, So there's really only one inch difference in seat pitch between our seats and those of full-service carriers. So in most parts of the world, Scoop would be considered full-service carrier in in that respect. So, yeah, we think it's a great product, and I think customers agree based on the popularity and and the, the volume of people that we've carried. 
obviously pre-COVID. Every flight I've been on with Scoot seems to have been full, which is good for your airline, which brings me to the subject. I mean, at the moment, with so many planes parked, and I know that certainly Singapore Airlines and I guess Scoot have got a few of their planes parked near Alice Springs in the Northern Territory because there's so little humidity there that it must be so frustrating and so frustrating to be able to plan for the future because we really don't know when this is going to end, do we? No. It is frustrating. I live quite close to Changi Airport and every morning I go for a run and there's a particular point of my run where I can overlook the airport parking area and there's 30 odd scoot aircraft that are just parked up waiting for their turn. Uh, And that is obviously in the early days, it was highly depressing. Um, Now it's just a little bit frustrating. I mean, we're keeping busy during this period, making sure that we're A, keeping our capabilities intact in terms of crew and, and their flight proficiency, doing a lot of system upgrades so that when the recovery comes, we're better able to respond both from a customer service perspective as well as from a revenue generating perspective. And there's clearly a lot of focus now on health safety. So implementing a lot of touchless interactions, whether it be on the ground or in the air, uh, launching a new in-flight portal that people can order their food and beverage from their own device rather than having to call the crew, which is good for the crew, good for the customer. And of course, we've been recognized by a couple of the international accreditation organizations, one called Apex and Simplifying, where we got a diamond accreditation, which is the highest health safety one that they can give. And also just today, we announced that we got the Skytrax five-star health safety accreditation, again, the highest they can give. And in both cases, we were the first LCC in the world to be accorded such health safety accreditation. So it's very important to us as a means to give people reassurance that when they are willing to travel and able to travel, that when they travel with us, they'll be safe. Of course, you talked about the number of your planes that are on the tarmac. They're just parked there, of course. They don't sit there. They have to be maintained, don't they, while they're just sitting there. So you must have some pretty busy maintenance staff looking after them. I know the wheels have to be rotated and stuff, and you have to cover just about every outlet so that birds or bugs and that don't get in there. So even though they may just be sitting there, it's not all that simple, is it, just to park a plane for a while? No, it's not. So you're right, we do have some aircraft parked near Alice Springs, but probably fewer than you expect. Because of the difficulty in in maintaining aircraft that are not flying, as you say, the hydraulics, the rubber materials, the pitot tubes and everything else that bugs can get into, it's actually easier in most respects to keep the aircraft in a semi-active state where you utilise it for a flight once every week or two weeks just to keep everything moving. It's like taking a a dog for a walk. (laughs) But there are plenty of procedures that are in place now because of the relative inactivity, heightened maintenance procedures to make sure that notwithstanding the lower level of operations, everything is kept in tip-top shape, everything's still safe to operate. And the same is true for crew too, particularly pilots. They need to have a certain level of operation to remain current and proficient and practised. And sometimes that involves simulators on the ground. Other times it involves getting into the air, uh, even if they're not actually operating, being in a cockpit with those who are operating just to maintain freshness and and awareness of what the job entails. And so you are still flying because I'm on a flight path. I see Scoot come into Perth, not as often as I used to, I don't think. Are you mainly carrying cargo and stuff like that at the present time? Because we're not letting a lot of humans come into Perth by air at the present time. Well, that's true of Australia generally, that uh, there's a quota on the number of people that we can bring in that is governed by the MIQ facilities. So yes, passenger traffic is quite sparse. Cargo is quite strong. 
in totality around the network, we're operating about 25% of the capacity we were operating pre-COVID. We're up to about a third or a little bit more of the destinations we offered pre-COVID. So clearly there's a lot to do to get back to where we were, but at 25%, at least there's something happening and, and people are remaining reasonably busy. Some parts of the world, China in particular, yeah. although the, the flight frequency is down, the passenger load is still quite strong. Yes, And so it's not quite the same picture across the world. There are pockets of positivity. And I suppose with China, they say that they've combated COVID. I know they've had a few outbreaks, but they certainly seem to be able to control the outbreaks when they do occur. But I know that the domestic travel in China is really booming and and I I guess that flows through to you as well with Scoot and of course a good percentage of Singaporeans their heritage is back in China so you could understand why they would want to visit the places where their ancestors came from. Well I think the current demand environment is is very very false because there's so many restrictions on travel so the people that are travelling at the moment are are generally the people that have a a compelling reason to do so it's not discretionary anymore. The type of traffic we're seeing between Singapore and China is principally workers on contract in both directions, not so much people going to visit the family heritage. And we're also constrained. We can fly to five cities one time per week each, okay. uh, which is a far cry from the you know, 115 <laughs> flights per week that we had pre-COVID. So when I say China's doing well, I'm speaking very much in relative terms. Really? The whole problem is no one knows what it's going to be like, say, this time next year. Will we find the vaccines are actually working? Because I remember SARS, which I think was back in 2002, 2003, somewhere like that, which certainly really ruined travel to basically all of Southeast Asia. But that only lasted a few months and they'd combated it. But this COVID-19, which is a SARS virus, seems to have been pretty clever at reinventing itself all the time, doesn't it? I won't profess to be a medical professional, but I, I did have a lot of experience with SARS because I arrived in Singapore the same week that it did. Oh. I saw very much firsthand the, yeah. the impact that it had on, obviously, aviation especially. Yes. But as you rightly say, it was over with in, in three to four months. And I think when we first came to this COVID-19 situation, we expected much the same, perhaps yeah. a little bit longer, and expected it to be geographically you know, isolated to one or you know, two places. But clearly that didn't turn out to be the case. Now, I'll just talk about you, your personal likes and dislikes, because you've been in Singapore for quite a while now. When you do get the opportunity to travel, and I don't mean for business, because I understand that once you can fly again, then you'll have to uh, you'll have to do a lot of travel again just to sort out your destinations and the facilities there. So from a personal point of view, is there any place, if you could go anywhere in the world, you know, COVID's finished with, no problem there, where is it that you would most like to go? Obviously, all due respect to mum, I'd <laughs> head to New Zealand for a while, but family duties discharged... <laughs> I don't really have any one particular place. I love Italy. I love the sort of French and Italian Riviera. I love South Africa, Sri Lanka, Japan. But I think if I had to pick one, it would probably be southern France in the summertime. I like the way you said it in the summertime. (laughs) That's a great destination. I've always enjoyed flying scoot, and I look forward to flying scoot again. We are creatures of variety, aren't we? We all look at at the grass on the other side of the fence and think, oh, that looks good. Yeah, this time next year, we might be looking back and saying, well, we've lost a couple of years of travel. I think that when we do get back, 
People are going to be very, very eager and Scoot is going to be looking at carrying pretty full planes for quite a while, I think, when it all finishes. Yeah, we're pretty encouraged by what we're seeing in markets that have opened up. In the US, domestic travel has already sort of reached back to where it was pre-COVID. New Zealand was the case for a while, as was Australia, China certainly. And so I think the clear message is that once the restrictions on travel, be it borders or quarantines or others, once they're lifted, the human desire for travel just reasserts itself and quickly gets back up on trend. If you look at the history of aviation, There's been a lot of punctuations of external crises or events, be it Mm. Gulf War, be it GFC, be it SARS, be it 9-11. And yes, at the time, they feel like pretty serious downturns, and COVID is obviously bigger than, than any of them. But fairly quickly, the general underlying trend of increasing travel reasserts itself. So I'm confident that once we get past this period, and and it's going to be temporary, the future remains pretty bright for the travel industry. And I think especially so for Scoot, because we've got a good platform as part of the SIA group, a good hub and national governance that supports the industry. We've got a good airline and and robust operations. And I think we've demonstrated that we're popular with consumers for 10 years now. So I'm confident in the future. It's just a little bit frustrating in the very short term. You're still honouring my ticket. I can't wait to use them up. I might change the destination. That's the only thing because you never know where you can or can't go in the future. But looking forward to boarding Scoot aircraft again. I've been speaking to Campbell Wilson, who was the CEO of Scoot. And Campbell, thanks very much for speaking to us on tellmewheretogo.com. It's been a delightful conversation and I've enjoyed it very much. My pleasure, Steve. Thanks very much for the opportunity. And I hope to get you on board the aircraft sooner than later. Thank you for listening to Tell Me Where to Go, the Super 7 series. We do hope that we've inspired you to go travelling again just as soon as you can. Music